Welcome to the Movement Made Better podcast, powered by Stick Mobility. We are your hosts, Dennis Dunphy and Neil Valera. Today's guest, we have Paul Edmondson. Paul, we're very excited to have you on. If you wouldn't mind giving your, introducing yourself to the listeners, please. Sure. Thank you, Dennis. It's a pleasure to be asked to do this with you guys and to real honor to share what we had to talk about. You know, my, my background is first and foremost as a student of life and fitness in general. I've been in the industry for 20 years now. For the first 10 years, I was personal trainer and group exercise instructor. For the last 10 years of that 20 years, I've gone down the education route and I'm fortunate enough to be an educator for some great brands some great products and some great education companies as well. I'd like to say that I, I stand on the shoulders of giants, much like yourself, but you know, you, you're an educator and a leader in the fitness industry where you create a great product and a great education. You've got people to teach that on your behalf. I'm one of those people that are lucky enough to work for guys like yourself and deliver the great message that you guys uh, spread throughout the world. So it's, a, it's an honor to be here, Dennis and Neil. Oh, thank you thank very you, much. Thank you. thank you. Thank you. So I know when we had chatted last time, you said you had a new program in regards to focusing on hypertrophy. Yeah, so I've been working on a, an online program. I'm about halfway through it as we speak. And it's kind of looking at the new science behind muscular hypertrophy mm -hmm. and without going overly in detail on it what it looks at it looks at the concepts of breaking the tradition of like rep ranges so we we kind of tend to think that hypertrophy is based on a 6 to 12 rep range where the science now says that whilst that holds merit there is also as much hypertrophy to be had by low loads high reps and also, it's not the style of training that you do, like traditional, typical one-dimensional lifting, but three-dimensional lifting, so sub-maximal load like Viper, kettlebells, those types of things, also have merit to hypertrophy in a very different way. And it's kind of bringing those two concepts and components into the realms of hypertrophy, along with stretching, and how those kind of three things forge a new thought process and something to apply into a trainer's repertoire to help clients get leaner, to get fitter, to look more aesthetic without having to chase the very high technical lifts with heavy weights. And it makes, it makes hypertrophy more fun and more accessible for the normal everyday person, I think. So that's why it's kind of why I came to kind of come about to put it together as a bit of a, a course for people. Do you feel like, you know, with this style of training to build muscle, you're able to to keep your movement patterns better? Or, you know, you're, you're not as stiff as typical bodybuilding routines. Yeah, exactly. That's what I mean. It's just <laughs> it kind of ticks the boxes for many different things. It looks at having a varied approach to training, which is only going to help your mindset and fall in love with the process of training that much more. But it helps kind of keep all those other things true, like energy system development, mobility, stability, strength in odd positions, cognitive function, all of these other things that whilst clients seek to look better, they want all of those other things as well. But sometimes they come at a cost and a detriment to chasing that one thing of hypertrophy that generally leads to repetitive injuries and inactive, impossible movement patterns that, that then follow. Yeah, it's kind of like when you build up, you see people that have so much muscle mass yeah, and they can't even scratch their mid-back. No, exactly. 
I mean, in that kind of fight to look that good, you've lost everything else to kind of get to that point where I'm just one of those things that if you were just to vary your training, why not have all of those things that help serve your life, sport, function in every day that better, but have the thing that you want to chase as well. Mm -hmm. So having a varied approach means that you can get that hypertrophy that you've always wanted but it doesn't come at a cost to joint health, to osteoporosis, to lack of mobility or knee pain, back pain, et cetera, et cetera. I'm quite excited that it has the philosophy to build hypertrophy and the science backs it, but it kind of gives you everything else that you need to live a healthy, thriving lifestyle that the that, that, that fitness should give you. So, so I'm excited about it. So you, this program is not breaking you down into like leg day, arm day, back day, chest day, like your typical uh, hypertrophy programs that you'll see. No, no, this is going to be a it's going to be a whole body day every time you train, and it's going to be based around patterns of movement that are essential to life and sport. And again, mm-hmm. that just kind of reaps the benefits of the new age of hypertrophy and what it does on a cellular level, but helping the person move well, which is first and foremost what we all need, right? I mean, other than the aesthetics, right? I mean, that t- I think typically the average person wants hypertrophy. They're looking at it just from the aesthetic standpoint. But what are some other benefits uh, of muscular hypertrophy? Well, if you think about other than the aesthetic look, if you have the ability to tap into and recruit more muscle in daily tasks, daily activities, then typically you should hopefully be able to perform at a high level because you've got more muscle behind you. And also if you can tap into that muscle when you're in patterns or in positions where you're required to hold true, hold strong, then hopefully it gives you some resilience and some defense mechanism against being injured. So if you can perform well and have a higher level of resilience because you've got more muscle to rely and depend upon, then those two things are, you know, only only going to serve us in, in a in a great way, right? Perform better, prevention of injury. To a, to a better degree. Yeah, because I think, unfortunately, the general population just looks at it from a very small perspective, right? Just a one-dimensional yeah. look at it. Yeah, and that's it. And it, it's just the strength and having your body in the, built to a, accommodate strength in different positions is what all of life is. When we're gardening, when we're playing with the kids, when we're doing this, that, and the other, if we can get into positions safely, effectively, and get out of them, we can enjoy life to a higher degree. We can perform life to a higher degree. And if we don't have to worry about all these little niggly injuries that kind of plague our Western lifestyle, then that's kind of part of our job, I believe, as fitness professionals when we're working with our clients to help them live a more fulfilling lifestyle and save away things like knee pains, back pains, shoulder pains that become so so rife in our Western culture. Yeah. You know, we've talked about farm boy strength on here and mm-hmm. they're lifting submaximal loads, all these different positions. And typically, you know, you work on a farm, you're going to be pretty muscular just as a byproduct yeah. of that. Yeah. And the, what's, what's great about farmers is, is they don't lift, they don't lift the same loads every single day. It's always changing and they don't lift them in the same directions every day. It's always changing. So if you were to wrestle a farmer or 
do something where you're up against the farmer, you know, you, you would bet your money on the farmer coming out on top because they have strength in all positions and it's not just their muscles that are strong, but their fascial systems, their joints, their skin, their connective tissue, everything reaps the benefits because of what they do day to day. Yeah, very true. Very true. I think one of the biggest obstacles that working with General Pop regarding some muscle mass is your natural body type. And, every, and everyone's going to have that, <clears throat> that, that stumbling block where they're going to only put so much muscle on their frame. And if they're going to want to get into sort of, you know, Mr. Olympia and things like that, then that's not what muscular hypertrophy in this sense is all about. It's just giving a person, whoever that person is, the ability to put some muscle on their frame, drive down levels of body fat, look as aesthetic as they can be, but also function to a high degree as well. So it's making them look as good as they can, but still kind of forging a, a functional body that is strong, resilient, and robust for life, sport, and everything that's going to throw out their, their, their way as well. Yeah, I think, I think a lot of people have a hard time, especially small-framed people, small bone, smaller bone structures. They have a hard time. And like, I have a kid who's 15, and he's just really small jointed. And I was like, you're just tall and lean. And no matter, I think no matter what you do, you're going to have a very, you're going to have a low ceiling on how much hypertrophy you're actually going to be able to induce. Yeah. And that's what I mean. The, the, in the bodybuilding world, that frame would be looked down upon because it wouldn't kind of fit the, the realms of Arnold Schwarzenegger or Mr. Olympia, but that kind of tall aesthetic frame to me is a great looking body. If you can imagine a six foot four built like a basketballer that has long lean muscle, to me, that's a desirable figure that I would, I would kill for that. Oh, yes. more, so than, more so than the Mr. Olympia frame. And not only that, they can, they can move their body and they can do everything else that life off bodybuilding stage is going to throw at them. So not only I think they look better than the bodybuilder them, themselves, but they, they move, they can function, and they can live life the way a human body should do. Yeah, I think that was the one that's the tough part getting through. And like I said, with him being 15, he's reading all the internet articles, reading all the magazine articles, and is trying to break that barrier as far as the mental approach and just getting him to be okay with what genetic code he has. Does he yeah. play a sport? No. So he's just, he's, he's 15. He's already, what, 6'3", six, 6'2", six, just lean. Yeah. I mean, I told him, I said, look, you're going to have a great physique. We're going to train you, lift weights, move weights. You're going to have a great physique. I think you're going to have a physique that I would rather have than what I have currently. I mean, <laughs> I'd much rather be 6'2", six, 6'3", six, with a lean physique <laughs> than 5'3", with a short squatty physique. I mean, you know, so I... <laughs> Yeah, you know, I'm just all like, you're, I, and it's just getting, try to get him to realize that it's more mental and just saying, okay, you just, you still got a lot of growing to do. You still got a lot of hormonal changes that are going to be make, being made. Uh, and you just got to patience and see what happens as you get into your early 20s. But then that kind of six foot two, six foot three muscular physique that has that kind of long toned muscle effect. That's what all the that's what all the catwalk models look like, right? That's what all Calvin yeah. Klein models look like. And if he's fifteen years old and he's got girls chasing him because he looks like the catwalk model, 
Right. That's not a bad, that's not a bad way to be. <laughs> that's, I'm, I'm looking at him going, dude, you don't even you don't even know what you got, bro. If GQ is looking for a model, they're going to call you. Like they're, they want that 6263 nice lean frame. They don't want that big yoked out look. No, you rarely see that. You rarely see that in the fashion world. You rarely see that in magazines these days. And it's mm-hmm. kind of more, it's more what people naturally look like getting to a muscular viewpoint with low levels of body fat that most model endorsements and clothing companies and the opposite sex now seem to look as desirable. Mm-hmm. So it's one of them things that everyone can aspire to without drastic diets or supplement or radical training regimens that makes this program kind of exciting but accessible for everyone that is just the beautiful simplicity of it as well so as far as the program i mean is this a three day a week program five day a week program that typically speaking so what it will do is it will kind of it'll explore the traditional sciences the hypertrophy and it will sort of say well you know here's where we've been for the last 40 50 years mm-hmm. And that has merit, muscular hypertrophy. Otherwise, it wouldn't have stood the test of time like it has done. Mm-hmm. And if you want to carry on doing that to some degree, great, go for it. But here's something else on the other side of the coin that gives you days in the week where you can back off your loads in training, three-dimensionalize your training mm-hmm. so that you can have a little bit of varied input so that not only are you building fibers in parallel, but you're also building muscle in series as well. So you're getting two different types of hypertrophy. And the loaded movement training seems to kind of give you a more hyperplasia effect. Mm. So you're getting three different types of hypertrophy if you were to look at varying your training rather than just doing that one-dimensional traditional stuff that everyone's doing. So it's going to give you a more fuller effect, but lots of holistic benefits that just pack into a nice varied approach to training. So it's not going to kind of look at training differently, although it is, but it's going to kind of add something to the traditional means of hypertrophy that everyone kind of knows and holds to be true. For yourself, do you do any of the traditional lifts still, or is it mainly what's in your program? The last, well now, 18 months of COVID has been a kind of time to test it myself a little bit more. So when I saw Dennis, Dennis, I saw you, what was it? 2019. November 2019. Yep, yep. So since then, I've lost three and a half stone in weight mm-hmm. and through training, eating better, and kind of taking this approach to my own training where four days a week, I'll take one traditional lifting training that I'll do a week in a gym. I'll do a loaded movement training session. I'll do a body weight session and then I'll do something that's sort of mobility focused where it's body weight and load. And I've just been doing that as much as I can towards four days a week over that period of time where for me, it's just kind of made me feel great. It's given me energy, but it's made me look a lot better than I was. I'm still not where I want to be, but the way I feel and the way I look has been the best that I've looked and felt for the last 12 to 15 years so there's a lot to be said for varying your training and you know i just put myself in the shoes of the the student and been my own guinea pig and and i've enjoyed every moment of it i've loved it i'll tell you i've seen a big change following your social media over the last year and a half so there's clearly visibly a big difference so Hmm. you're doing you're doing a great job thank you mate yeah and, and visibly i think i look better 
I mean, people comment on the way I look, but more than that, it's the way I feel as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like the way I can move in certain situations and the way I can kind of get in and out of certain positions and mentally how that's had a knock-on effect, it, it just feels great in other aspects of life. I can, I can run, I can do you know long-distance events. It doesn't just focus around just muscular hypertrophy that is literally good for lifting a weight up and down for a few repetitions and not much else. Mm-hmm. There's all the other stuff kind of packed into it as well, like mobility, like energy system development, like uh, cardiovascular fitness, etc. So yeah, I'm um, I'm pleased with the whole that it's kind of given me, really. Well, it's interesting you mentioned the cardiovascular because I was just going to bring that up. As far as you know, hypertrophy training does have a, a huge effect on your cardiovascular system, but yeah. I don't I don't think the average person really understands how that is. Because most people think of doing a squat for six reps and then resting for three or four minutes. There's not much of a cardiovascular effect in that sense of things. Mm-hmm. But if you want to build muscle, then there is elements of cardiovascular fitness that can build muscle hypertrophy. Mm-hmm. When you do anything cardiovascularly, your body secretes lactic acid. When you generate lactic acid in the body, you get growth hormone as a byproduct of that which builds muscle burns body fat and that's why the the hip training is such a big thing at the moment because essentially that's what you're doing is you're lifting weights you're putting them down for short periods of time and that influx of lactic acid is building muscle burning body fat because of the anabolic hormones you're secreting while doing that a lot to be said for cardiovascular training and heart health and muscular health and all of those things that kind of get packed into that. So, you know, with with the full body, you know, four days a week, do you feel like you're able to to train less? Or your, your training sessions, are they shorter than they used to be? They, they tend to generally last around 45 to 60 minutes at a time. So the shortest will be about 45 minutes. The longest will be 60 minutes. I'm one of those people that if it goes on for longer than 60 minutes, I personally get bored. I want to kind of get in there, get moving, get done as quick as I can and get as much bang for buck as I can. And I've kind of found that sort of 45 minutes to 60 minutes for me is the the best time to get what I need out of the session but still feel good for the week that then is to come. So typically Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, I'll train. If I have to work one of those days elsewhere or long days, then I'll substitute that for a weekend day. And my recoverability has been great mm-hmm. doing that. So, so yeah, it's been, it's been awesome. Well, let's say if we're dealing with an 18, 19 year older from a muscle growth standpoint, I think the mentality, unfortunately is more is better. Right. Yeah. And so, I mean, I know I was in that mindset when I was 18, 19, I thought if I worked out in the gym for two hours and freaking (laughs) thrash myself, like that was the best thing for me to do. Yeah. And we've all get, we'll all get that at some point learning from, whoever was in the gym doing those two and a half hour workouts. But, you know, what What I've come to realize over the, the last few years is that, you know, more is not necessarily better. In fact, more is going to break you down quicker and easier. Mm-hmm. And if you go through those rigors of long duration sessions, eventually there's going to come a point in time where the protein synthesis that you're getting is going to be diminished because eventually you're going to not be producing things like lactic acid and growth hormones, but you're going to be secreting things like stress hormones and cortisol that are going to have a negative impact muscle protein synthesis or muscular hypertrophy. So it's kind of getting that sweet spot where those anabolic hormones are rising, still rising, 
before that cortisol seems to kick in and kind of taper those hormones off. And that by most of the things that I look at seems to be around that 45, 50, 55 minute sort of window. Interesting. Yeah. Cause I think, you know, all we need is enough stimulation mm-hmm. to cause growth, to affect speed, to affect power. And then, you know, once you find that optimal zone for yourself, then you train to that point and then anything else is just kind of diminishing returns. Exactly. And then the old saying that, you know, you rest, you grow when you rest is, is always a true thing. The amount of research that's done on sleep in the last three or four years and how sleep can have massive impacts on muscular hypertrophy. Like, I can't remember the book that I was reading recently, but they were saying that, you know, if you sleep well, you go through four cycles of sleep per night. Mm-hmm. So you go through four, four deep sleeps per night. There are, REM sleep, rapid eye movement sleep. And generally, if you're the sort of person that sleeps between the hours of 10 and 6, which they seem is the optimal eight hours to sleep, the first REM sleep you get is the highest peak that you get. And in that high peak or that rapid eye movement sleep, you get about eight times the amount of growth hormone that's dumped into your system if you're asleep during that window. Now, generally, that means you've got to be in a deep sleep by half 10. But most people aren't <laughs> sleep by ten, but either because they're scrolling through Facebook. <laughs> so the you know, so the gains that you could be getting while you're sleeping, most people aren't getting because they think that you know it's all done in the gym and you know, it's that that's only part of the equation. It's all the other stuff that comes around it. And sleep at the minute is, you know, there's more and more research has been done on sleep more and more stuff that's coming to light on sleep and it's just yeah it's blowing my mind some of the stuff that i've been seeing lately from a food intake standpoint you hear all sorts of i should eat this much protein to help build muscle mass i should eat this much what would you recommend and is that dictated more off of what your end result wants what you want it to be is it affected is it also relatable to age and sex also yeah, age, sex, actually what your end result needs to be or wants to be is going to have an impact. So for argument's sake, if you're a child athlete, then your protein intake is going to be higher than your average sedentary adult. It's just mm-hmm. because they've got growth to factor in as well as their training, their growth and repair and through training. So you know, those three things come into the equation. But for most people that are into their training or want to look better, feel better, then generally I'm kind of the consensus that, you know, between 1.2 and 1.8 grams per kilo of body weight is is ample and suffices because there is such a thing as too little protein to maximize benefit, but there's also counterproductive where you can eat too much protein. Some people still think that you can never eat too much protein because you'll just keep packing on more muscle through protein. But, you know, too much protein, like yeah, too much protein, it's, it can, that can go to body fat storage as well. Or you're going to excessively urinate because your body's getting rid of the nitrogen elements of protein. So there is too much and there is too little. So I kind of think the sweet spot for most people is somewhere in that 1.2 to 1.8 grams per kilo of body weight. For me, I try about 1.5. And that seems to be a, a nice number that, for me, makes me feel good, gives me sustained energy throughout the day. And, you know, I can get to a point where I can, you know, make inroads where I'm sort of losing one to two pounds of body fat per week. Is that something that we typically see older people fall off on? I mean, what, I think- the amount of protein that yeah. they 
I, th- I think so. I think generally when you look at most people that are doing their own form of training, they'll put all their eggs in the training basket and then very little in the sleep and the nutrition side of things. Mm-hmm. Obviously, when, once that person gets a good trainer behind them, it opens up their world to those other two avenues and how important they are. But I think that you can't really say that one is more important than the other because they're all really, really important. Mm-hmm. But I think that obviously how you fuel yourself is ultimately going to impact the way you feel throughout your day, the way that you have energy or not for your session and how you recover and how you look before and after that session. So I think if you get your nutrition right, that's always the first hurdle. And as we all know, that nutrition is such a minefield yeah. and there's so much, there's, there's so much that you, you know, you, you wonder half the time what to believe yourself. But I think the best piece of advice that I could give to anybody around nutrition is that we are all so different on the inside as, as much as we are on the outside. And what diet works for your hero, the person you look up to, is probably not what works for you. So you have to find your own biochemical individuality and find out what works for you. Are you the sort of person that tolerates carbs well or fats better? Are you the sort of person that prefers three meals a day or smaller five meals a day? You know, everyone's different and everyone has to kind of navigate those waters cleverly and find out which is the best for them. I think an individual approach to nutrition is the best way to go. Yeah. I mean, ideally, if you can pair that nutrition with, with blood work, you know, yeah. that would be the way to go. Yeah, because everyone's got their, their their allergies and what they kind of work well on and what they don't work so well on. So the more you can unravel those things, the sooner you're going to make inroads in the, the positive to get to where you want to be. So, I mean, the other thing, too, I think when it comes to nutrition is... I don't know if people give themselves enough time using one type of eating protocols to actually find out what the long-term effects are. So Yeah, because they'll try something for a week or two. Right. And then they're done. So you don't even know what it is. Your body hasn't even had time to really assimilate and adapt to that. So, I mean, you've got to give yourself a substantial amount of at least three to six months, I would think. To really yeah. know how a certain way that you're eating is going to affect you. Yeah, and then when you're taking things out or putting some things in, one or two things at a time is going to be a better approach. Because if you take mm. three or four things out and it works better or worse, how do you know which of those three or four things right. was the culprit or the detriment? So yeah, but if you can work with someone that knows their blood work and does blood work and can help with that individual approach quicker and more effectively, then that's going to be a win-win situation for people listening for sure. You know, I think people fall into that with training too, as they do something for a few weeks and they're yeah. like, oh, I don't know if this works or not. <laughs> yeah. It's like they got to stick with it for that three to six months. Yeah, exactly. Get into the process, enjoy the process and don't make quick decisions and jump ship too soon. You know, stand by your decision, see it to the end and then evaluate it and say, right, did that work? Did it not? And if it didn't move on. And then never do it again. Don't be quick to jump ship, abandon ship, and seek the new fad that you know the next magazine you pick up is is raving about. I think what's interesting is is the psychology of what we do more than sometimes the actual physical abilities of what we do. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, uh, I think that's the way we live our lives as well, though, isn't it? Everything's a hundred mile an hour. Everything's changing, and if someone gets involved in a training or a nutrition program and they don't see results by Friday, oh, it doesn't work, that's got to change. 
I haven't got time for this. Give me this. Give me that. And it doesn't work that way. It's, it's biology. <laughs> it takes time. So, Paul, have you done any uh, research into timing of the workouts, you know, time of the day as far as better for muscle building? You know how, like, you do fasted cardio in the morning or something like that. It's a little bit better for fat loss now for muscle building. You know, I is think, there a better yeah, time of day to do it? I think that it generally depends on the person's schedule what they have going on and where they kind of feel their energy and their efforts are better during the day. Like for myself, I find that the way my life is at the minute, if I can train mid-morning or mid-afternoon lunchtime, somewhere around then, I feel strong, fit. I feel as good as I can be. If I train too early or too late, I feel very sluggish and I almost feel like I'm going through the motions. So for me personally, if I can train between half 10 and half two in that four hour window, for me, that's where I feel at my best. Outside of those hours, I'm on a, you know, I'm on a, I'm on a downward scale in terms of percentage output. But, you know, there are some people that do well on fasted cardio first thing in the morning. Some people that, that train after work and before bed. I'm not one of those people that can do either or those, those things just because of the, the output that I get. But generally, based on what I read, I think if you're doing cardio, then the first thing in the morning seems to have most benefit for aesthetic benefit and for resistance training. Most of what I'd see, most people seem to advocate between three and six in the afternoon. Works well for most people. However, for myself, I'm out of those windows, unfortunately. Yeah, because I know for me, uh, like... I've tried, tried that early morning strength training thing, and it's just that is not my cup of tea, man. It's tough. It's tough as hell. I'm like, no. Nope, yeah, I, 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 I used to be able to do training first thing in the morning. I used to teach spin classes at 7 a.m., mm-hmm. and I used to be life and soul of the party. But for now, I just I, it takes me an hour once I've woken up to actually wake my body up. Mm-hmm. I, all I can do for the first hour of the day is, uh, is drink coffee and <laughs> wait, wait, wait for that to take effect. <laughs> that, must be, uh, that must be the getting old. <laughs> I think what's interesting with your program, I think it's going to be less intimidating, especially for uh, the aging population. Absolutely will be because it will just look at, first and foremost, helping them move better. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be first and foremost body weight. And then when they can move well and they've, they've got ownership over their joints in certain directions from a range of motion and a control of motion standpoint, only then will they be submaximally loaded. Mm-hmm. So it's going to work with the success of their body. So it, there's nothing to kind of fear with it, really. And it has logical success built into the program where everyone's made to feel successful and only progressed when they're safe to do so. So there's nothing that's going to scare anyone out the gate because it's things that we're already doing. And if we're not already doing those things because we're too sedentary, then it will be just looking at getting movement back first and foremost, and then going from there and strengthening motion. So you talked about, you know, the rep range, the six to 12 and, you know, the new science out where you can do higher volume. Yeah. So, you know, when we're doing these loaded movement patterns, I don't know. Sometimes you get lost in the reps. Would you, would you also recommend a a time approach? Yeah. I mean, I would kind of vary the times and vary the reps because you get different 
hypertrophy benefits or hypertrophic benefits by doing that. So I would kind of look at low reps, high weights, high reps and low weights, but I'll also look for sustained time as well. So I'd look at kind of almost two or three different approaches for the amount of volume that they're, they're doing just because of the different benefits that it seems to tap into. Very nice. Are you going to be doing live courses or is this going to be online? It's going to be online first and it's going to be three to four hours online. But then the hope is that when we get back to, well, we're back to live education now in the UK, but we're still kind of a little bit slow traveling around Europe and Dubai mm. and places like that. But the hope is that it's going to be a one-day live course as well. So, yeah, watch this space. Fantastic. Fantastic. Oh, well, thank you for coming on, brother. We appreciate your time. Oh, mate, you are welcome. Always and, a pleasure uh, to catch up with you, buddy. Yeah. Uh, social media, how do people get a hold of you, follow you, get your information? Yeah, so I'm probably most active on Instagram. My handle is Paul underscore Edmondson, E-D-M-O-N-D-S-O-N, underscore M-T-A. Movement Training Academy, that is, underscore GI, Gray Institute. So Paul underscore Edmondson underscore MTA underscore GI, long handle. But uh, <laughs> I, got, cool. I got there in the end. We'll, we'll put it in the notes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah we'll, uh, we'll put it in the notes for sure. Hopefully everything stays safe over in the UK there. And, and for uh, you in the US. Yeah, we're, we're uh, hanging in there as much as we can, right? I mean, it's one yeah. of those things. So and then, hopefully uh, we'll have a we'll have a beer in Dubai again someday soon. Well, yeah, that'd be nice. Um, that'd be great. But I'm unfortunately I'm not holding my breath because uh, I think that's I don't think we're gonna see that until probably yeah not at least twenty twenty two right yeah yeah I yeah mean, I've, uh, I've written off this year completely with uh, with travel to Dubai. I mean I'm I'm crossing my fingers and crossing my toes that I get to travel to Russia in November. That's my next, uh, my next oh, travel. So I've got really? four months. Yeah, I've got four months now uh, for travel to ease a little bit. It is easy as we speak. Mm-hmm. So I'm hoping by the time four months comes along, it it'll be it'll be we'll be good to go. Well, hopefully, brother. Hopefully, man. Well, we'll chat soon. And like I said, uh, hopefully we'll run into each other and sit down and have a pint and uh, chat some shop, brother. Nice one. Cheers, Danny. Right. Thanks, Neil. Cheers. Yeah. All right. We'll talk to you later, Paul. Thank you very much. And to all the listeners out there, until next episode, be good to each other.